0: Welcome to the FitSess podcast, guys. Today, we're joined by Coach Gators, a fantastic coach, and he specializes in the nervous system. Um, he's dedicated a lot of his life to being a movement specialist, and I would say he's one of the most intelligent guys I've ever met. So uh, without further ado, talk us through the nervous system, Chris.
1: Hi, <laughs> Um Well, today, we're going to talk a bit through the nervous system and how it links into, into mental health. So to start that, um, it's good to explain the parts of the nervous system that I like to work with, which is predominantly the peripheral nervous system, um, and a certain branch of that, which is the autonomic nervous system. So people will know it as, um, or be more familiar with it as your flight and th- fight and flight responses. Um, yeah, because everything act- like
0: unconsciously, like autonomic, obviously auto. Yeah. Um, And obviously, like peripheral nervous system, kind of like your peripheral vision. You don't have to think about it. It's
1: there. Yes. So it's the things that run in the background. So it's your um, base levels of arousal, um, your digestion, how social you are, those type of things. It's your mood regulation um, and the processes behind that go into that.
0: And how did you get into this, Chris?
1: Um, To be honest, I... I was a CrossFit coach for five years. And then I just found that it wasn't quite enough for me. And as I was learning on the side, I started to think, oh, there must be a why things start to work and why things break down. And when you're starting to see a lot of the same themes of injuries and people struggling, like with things, mental health, even though they're exercising, I'm the type of person who's always wanted to understand why. So eventually I came across. a company called StrongFit, who teach a lot they, they teach, teach coaches across the world and they teach a lot about the nervous system and the nervous system is their base um but they explain the why behind everything all the studies um they're all out there for for people to find it's just that it's not mainstream so it comes across as new information to people the good thing about it is is it generally makes sense to people when you explain it um because they felt it at one time or another. And then when you start to understand that you felt it, you start to understand how then you can control it and manage however you feel.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's very mainstream, uh, like we discussed p- before we went on to the podcast. Is It's just such like a um, a rabbit hole, as I described it before. It's like you can just keep going and going into it. And also people are a little bit scared, I would say, to talk about. I know like when I did went to university and stuff, we didn't really delve into it that much. And even afterwards, when I tried to research it on my own, and after meeting yourself, research it, there's just very little research out there. Don't get me wrong, there is yeah. research out there, but I don't think it's in-depth. And obviously... Um, when you speak, when I speak to you about it, like you're just so knowledgeable on it, um, and like, how did you, how do you educate yourself now? Because I know you have like a set routine.
1: Well, I've got two two boys, and one of them's young and likes to get up at five a.m. So mm. I set myself at least ninety minutes every morning of study, whether that's books, further podcasts, uh, movement analysis, that type of thing. And it's just ninety minutes a day, and I started that probably a couple of years ago, and you find that it snowballs. So you start with 90 minutes one day and then all of a sudden you're three months down the line and you've accumulated so much learning that the the hard thing about it is is, is when you've got that learning, you assume that everybody else understands and it's difficult to to bridge the gap between what you've understood and what the mainstream is because you do need to bridge the gap so that people understand it.
0: Yeah, so and that's, that's where the our role as a coach comes in, doesn't it? Um, exactly. One of our main roles as a coach is to be the educator, and I think we always have to educate people on like whatever we, whatever we're trying to maybe get them to do, whether that be a movement or just an improvement of their lifestyle quality. I think nervous system is something that I could develop as a coach massively, like my understanding and knowledge of it, because uh, I always talk to my clients about coming back down to parasympathetic. And um, obviously, I talked to you about the fight and flight mode when we, like, when we did the sled pushes a few months ago. Um, And obviously I've tried to implement that with some of my clients and athletes and stuff. So I think, you know, I can see it working for myself. I see it working for athletes, but you want to talk about it today on like a bit of a broader topic uh, and a broader range. So uh, like, where would you start then if you were educating someone on like the nervous system and specifically the the autonomic nervous system?
1: it's, It's what you've just said there. It's the learning what constitutes the parasympathetic and what constitutes the sympathetic. So, there are two states, nervous system states in either of those. So when people say um, parasympathetic, usually, they know that that's to do with energy conservation. So that's calming down. Yeah. But there's um, there's an active branch of that and there's a passive branch of that. And I'm sure that everybody listening has heard of the term flow, being in flow state.
0: Yeah.
1: So that is the active side of the parasympathetic nervous system. So that's when you're playing with your kids, you're enjoying a game or you're painting, you know, people that get into creative subjects. That's in your nervous system. That's where you are at that time. The passive side of that is what's called freeze. Okay. So that's when you've expended all energy and you've got nothing. Okay. On the other side, you've got fight and flight. Like people are aware of that and they're both sympathetic. So the active side of that is the fight side where you're choosing to be in this. This is difficult, but I'm going to do it anyway. Or that guy just insulted my wife. It's game on yeah. type of thing. That's your fight mode. And on the other side of that, you've got flight. So the best analogy I can use to take you through all of them is say you're socializing and you're in a safe place Okay you're out in the you're out camping with the family you're in flow you're socializing with your family you're around the campfire a bear comes okay your nervous system is going to shoot on and tell you it's it's game on time okay you start fighting the bear to protect your family <laughs> you soon realize that it's a bear so you're not going to win that fight so you move then your nervous system will move into flight so it will tell you we're not going to win this one we need to get out of here, or we need to get rid of all energy in order to get away from this bear. So it'll do erratic things just to try and get you away from the situation. If you can't get away from that situation, you then end up in freeze, which is the oldest thing that all animals have, which is play dead. Okay, so that's that's basically... How that works in terms of how your nervous system. So that's a an example of how you could run through all four very quickly. Yeah. So we're constantly cycling between those different states. Our nervous system. So you you could be as relaxed as anything at home, um, painting, like I say, and all of a sudden there's there's a burglar and you've got you're straight into fight. So it it's constantly at play those four states, and. The way, that, the way that links into mental health is that there's a base sort of state of what I'll call arousal. I usually turn use the term anxiety, but people generally have a negative connotation of what anxiety is. When I say anxiety, I'll use arousal and anxiety sort of interchangeably because to me, they're the same thing. I don't see anxiety as a negative thing. No. Okay. And I'll explain why. The, re- the reason that people get to these mental health states or a couple of reasons that they could get there originate a long time before we actually reach that state. So when we're children, our bodies are looking for safety and we're looking for that in our caregivers and in our environment. So the people who don't have those kind of environments say they have split parents, but they need a love of two parents. It becomes more difficult in that the nervous system isn't as relaxed because it hasn't received the safety that it's craving. Yeah. Yeah. So when they haven't got that, I mean, there are far worse situations than that. Yeah. Um, which many people go through, but even that as a, a fairly common occurrence yeah like a baseline um, that's that's fairly common and that will boost that arousal state which means that the base of sympathetic tone so being in fight and flight the more likely to be there for life
0: really so like on a more consistent basis you're in that state of
1: fight or flight uh uh-huh so the basis becomes higher because the safety wasn't there when you were developing. Okay. So going- you learn things. Go on, sorry.
0: Sorry, going back to the fight and flight, obviously like where does adrenaline come into that then? Because obviously when you go to that fight mode, you get the adrenaline. And then obviously like I always thought like when you got rid of the adrenaline, like that was when you might be in flight mode.
1: Well, it's exactly that. Um but adrenaline's a fuel. Right. So it it's given out in neurotransmitters in the brain. Yeah. So that's just uh, a quick fire fuel. It's fight time. Yep. So exactly as you've just um, explained there, you get adrenaline shot, time to go fight the bear. Yep. That adrenaline is going to plummet as soon as you know that Maybe. it's it's game over. And, like and a- that's when that's when you pull yourself into into that freeze mode where you're like, oh, I've got nothing left. That is the flight. That's the, I'm expending everything to try and get out of this situation. Yeah. So that comes in the flight bit before you move to freeze. I think I
0: like I've I've gone through that in like training sessions where you're absolutely pumped for it, you have a great session, and then like it's like an hour and a half in or something like that, you've had an absolute fantastic session, you're just like, right, yeah, that's enough. Uh-huh.
1: Like, you yeah. know when you're done. You Time know when go. it's happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like I said,
0: sometimes it might have been at CrossFit, it might have been just training there at the gym. It could be anything like I I definitely experienced that. And when you explain it, like you're like, you can pinpoint it to parts of your life and when you've gone through that and even just a bit about like you're in a constant state of like anxiety or arousal like if you say maybe i've had an argument at home with the missus and then you've gone to work you're already kind of more agitated so then something else could like just tip you over the edge and if you're already upset or angry you know you might you might end up like lashing out quicker than you usually would Um, and i suppose is that the same thing then
1: yeah exactly the same thing and usually Um, because you've used that specific example, Mm. will recreate patterns that feel safe to our nervous system Mm. in adulthood. So say, for example, you were in a a household as a child. This applies to me um, because I was in a, a household where there was domestic violence. So that makes me more prone as an adult to seek a relationship which would develop domestic violence because that feels normal to my system as an upbringing and that is so messed up
0: yeah how do you change that then
1: well that's how this is how we need to become aware of
0: yeah first stages what,
1: of awareness i guess because i would imagine that as i say these things people will think oh that makes sense because this happened but everybody's story is different so when it comes to to mental health everybody's answer is slightly different And everybody's got their own nuances. All we can do here is talk about these are the generalities of what happens um, when things like that happen in childhood. Um, There's also, I mean, that's just one example. The other example that I'll give for how the base level gets raised is trauma. Now, trauma is just something that happens that is too much for our nervous system. So we're not equipped to handle whatever has happened so people generally associate it with um like PTSD that soldiers get yeah, that's,
0: that's exactly what i thought when you said it as well
1: but as soon as you put it into that paradigm of it being too much for the nervous system to handle it fits perfectly yeah. but that also fits um like a, a parent beating a child
0: yeah
1: they can't possibly understand that that's too much for them to comprehend therefore you've got stored trauma and then the base level is yeah, raised
0: so like up. An, advan- an example from what I can think of in my life is like my mum had a really bad crash in a car and then she really struggled to drive again afterwards. And even now, like she doesn't, she's not the biggest fan of driving, especially on the motorway where it happened. Like she's just not a big fan of driving. And I suppose that's stored trauma. Is that the same sort of thing?
1: Yeah, because um, the body stores trauma when it's too much for you. Mm. The body stores trauma as a collective of senses. So, it isn't just the impact, say, she got hit in the ribs. It isn't just the impact of being hit in the ribs. It's what she saw. It's what yeah. she smelled at the time. It's how she was feeling at the time. So, that's why we get things like, even on the good side, that's on the negative side. Even on the positive side, we get things like a certain song can remind us of a certain time we were in a foreign country on mm-hmm. a holiday having a nice dinner.
0: Yeah, all that. So, really it works. So
1: much- Yeah. So they they work both ways and, and it feels, you can almost see it in your mind, even though you can't see it with your eyes, you can see it in your mind where you were at the time. Yeah. And that's why, because all the circuitry works together to say, oh, here's that experience. And it could be a certain smell or anything that triggers it off.
0: So say you go to a competition and you're a powerlifter or a weightlifter or whatever, and you have a bad competition Mm-hmm. Why isn't that start as trauma? Why is there a sense say a sense of feeling to go back and prove someone wrong or prove yourself wrong or just go and compete again because you enjoyed it There's that?
1: one of the characteristics of trauma mm. is a lack of control. So it's something that's too much for you to handle and you had absolutely no control in it. So you had control of going into a competition. yeah you had gotcha. control of your training etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Your mother didn't have control of a crash. Yeah, sweet. So
0: that's, that's glad. Yeah, you can see a clear difference there.
1: Yeah, that's just a a, a difficult situation, but one that you can train. Yeah, because if you think about it, you can create the 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 arousal that you get at competition is is really high, yeah. and we're all on high when we're at co- when we're competing. But you can recreate that in the gym. You can arouse people's nervous system to that level. And then you take the minimum, say your powerlifting. You take the minimum weight that they can hit at this peak arousal. Where you're going to be, you take that up. So you take the C game up rather than the A game, and hope that the A game comes on the day.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. And obviously, like before, I say like say before an athlete goes into a competition, they will usually rest for ten to fourteen days beforehand. Maybe just light work, and that's usually repairing or what i usually say to him is repairing like the central nervous system kind of like letting it have a break and stuff like that so how does that directly impact the body and what does it do
1: well it's the super compensation theory really isn't it that uh, um west side talk about quite a lot yeah. of backing off um it just a lot like you're saying it just allows the nervous system to calm down you've had all this arousal yeah we're going to let you calm down so that on the day when there's like i said peak arousal on the day you you've already done the work to get your your game to where it needs to be and then the nervous system will do the rest because you've done all of the muscle memory you've done all the technique mm-hmm. work you've done all the development it's not going anywhere in two weeks no can't so how important the CNS you say the now? nervous
0: system is to training
1: oh i i say paramount but i say paramount to everything <laughs> I say it's paramount to health. It, yes. I I see the health crisis that we're gonna have, or you could say that we already have with obesity and things like that. Um, that's the reason that we're in the place that we're in. Um, but it's it's very nuanced, and there's a lot to it um, because it it essentially controls your food choices. It controls it controls your life choices. And it's very difficult. Um, to get around that yeah. but that that is a deep rabbit hole that we we we, we shouldn't go into we don't want to delve that, into today oh, and also it triggers a lot of people they feel personally attacked by that one so oh
0: wow um and and how would you kind of how do you train your nervous system then
1: so for um in terms of training
0: no no, no just I, overall like anything in life in training day-to-day anything
1: Um, Well, you you just get used to where your baseline is because you'll know on a day-to-day basis. Um, And I think people tend to use a lot of uh, devices that give them um, what you could call external self-gratification. So the device lets Mm -hmm. them know how well they're feeling, if you know what I mean, instead of them telling themselves how they're feeling. Yeah. Which to me is backwards. You have the best computer in the world right inside you. Yeah. So get to know yourself, get to know where you're at. That's why I say it's a very personal thing and people have to find their own ways that they enjoy um, of, of finding out where they're at and knowing, is this a heavy day? Is this a walk day? Is this It's funny you say that, swimming? Actually. Do I need to? Because
0: you put a post up the other day about like how it was supposed to be a rest day, but you got up feeling energetic and just went for it. So you uh-huh. got some volume in, you did some stuff you enjoyed, like you did some bicep curls and stuff. And exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Different way of thinking yeah. about training, obviously like going in on a day-to-day basis and kind of going in how you feel, I guess.
1: huh. So uh, there's a lot. Um, when we write programs, generally the, the percentage-based and the, the work out over the weeks, Um, it's just some days 75% feels like 80%. And sometimes yeah, it 100%. feels
0: like 90%. I say this so, a lot to my clients, like, and obviously athletes, like they're a hundred percent on comp day. Usually we've like over-exaggerated all the processes. They've had 14 days off. The nutrition will be 10 times better. Like the sleep will be better. They know they've got the comp coming up. So everything's a little bit better. But then when we go into training, we can't work off that hundred percent because you're not going to be feeling like that one day every day. And we're not prepping for that one day the same. So I usually mm-hmm. work off like 90%. So I suppose it's this exactly like that. Yeah. It's you know it's you can't be a hundred percent every day. So that seventy five percent, like you said, feels like eighty percent on some days.
1: Yeah, and it's it's things like you don't get to decide when it's PD, PR day, do you? No, PB day tells you when it's PB day. There's that. So- There's
0: a really funny moment in lockdown actually where we were redoing all the floor. Um, we'd like moved the rig and like, we'd been like a few heavy weeks where we're just literally moving stuff. Obviously we're living in the gym, so it's not ideal. We've only got a microwave upstairs, a toaster End up pivot in like a really good PR on the axle. And I was just like, how has that happened? Like I'm not peaked it. I've not even mm-hmm. like just been training it for fun every day. And it was just strange how it happened. Like it was just mad. And yeah, I think like that, they're the sort of things where you go, Yep, yeah, I actually don't know too much about this training malarkey.
1: Mm-hmm. No, but that's, that's the thing. So I generally take the focus away from, uh, like, don't get me wrong, there's always a plan um, when when I've, when it's not locked down and we've got full access to gyms. There's always a percentage-based plan for the main work. Yeah. It's just some days you're going to feel it, and when you feel it, don't turn it away. Like, if you feel like Thor that day, go nuts.
0: Yeah. So basically, like, I would like a big key point for you to take away from today's podcast is, is just like listen to your body
1: oh absolutely yeah but it's difficult it's more difficult than you think
0: is it is it difficult because of social norms now where everyone wants to be a grafter or like really hammering the gym and they want to get it on social media or people want to be you know like mate like they might be like oh yeah i've hit the gym every day this week
1: Mm -hmm. well a lot (laughs) it's funny you say that because that's one of the things i would thought about mentioning um like the problem with that um so since you've mentioned it um it, there's a theory by Freud, psychologist. Mm. Um most people have heard of Freud yeah, because might. a lot built off his work. Um and he has something called the id and the superego. Mm. And this links straight back into mental health anyway because he's saying that as as animals, we have basic human needs. So we have things like the need to the need to eat, the need to drink the need for shelter, and the need to reproduce. So there are basic human needs. And he's basically saying that anything that we do is driven by those things. On the other side, what he calls that is the id. Yeah. And then on the other side, you've got the superego, which is exactly what you were just explaining, which is the social pressures, how our parents bring us up, whether we're part of a religion, what we feel we need to do, to be an active part of society. Yeah. So when you've got those two, what most spiritual practices will take you towards is bringing them closer together and sort of discarding the the superego side of doing things to please others. It's get back to you. What do you like? What do you feel like you need to do? And who do you need to be? That type of thing. It's like being
0: happy with yourself.
1: Yeah that that's exactly it and where that that's one of the answers mm. in terms of helping people with with mental health difficulties and that's where the the talk side of it is really helpful because you can rationalize if you if you prioritize what are the things that are that are happy to you but or that make you happy and are your actions doing
0: stuff like a load of crap that like might- that they don't want to do. They're just doing it to make other people happy. Are they doing it because it's exactly. on social media or they're doing it because they think it'll make them look cooler. Like a lot of the time they're just not doing what they enjoy.
1: Yeah. And that's where a lot of the, the tip over can be from that base state of arousal to, I feel like I've got a problem here. Yeah. Because that gap has got wider. So you see, In, like, we're in lockdown, you see mental health getting worse when really, isn't it exactly. But it's just highlighting an issue that people now are having to do more things that they don't enjoy, and they're spending more time on social media. There's more fear based, like, media all the time. Everything's fear, fear, fear. Yeah, so people are doing things they wouldn't usually do that make them feel safe, like socializing. You know going to the gym all the time. So do you think They're that's like things...
0: increasing that like baseline for arousal and slash anxiety?
1: Exactly. That's exactly what it's doing. Um and the bigger that gap gets for people, the more they tend to struggle. Yeah. So that's the way I generally look at it with people is how close are we to you living to use the cliche your best life? Yeah. What's your best life? You get to choose your best life. It's up to you. Like I, I have an exercise that I do with people, where I work through their pillars. What are the things that if your house was on pillars, and you've got four or five pillars, put a label on each of those.
0: Yeah.
1: But, but I don't get to choose what they are; they get that to choose what they
0: must, are. most, I guess.
1: Exactly. So mine is education, family, training, and probably chocolate milk. Yeah. Um. But if. One of those gets knocked down, I might be okay. If two of them start getting knocked down, I've got problems. So that's how I know I might be going down the slippery slope again. Yeah. Because my life is taking me away from those choices. But it also helps people to make decisions as well. Yeah. Because if somebody asks you a question, a lot of people are, well, I'm not sure. But that's where that pleasing other people and doing things for social media and, and approval, that's where that comes in. That's that, uh, oh, I'm not sure. Whereas if you know what your pillars are and what really makes you happy and takes you to a place that you want to go, yeah, then uh, no decision is difficult. It's a yes or no because it's, does it take me closer or further away?
0: Yeah, it's very funny actually. We've been doing a lot of goal setting with me in the new year and whatnot and um, I'm asking clients like to let's say, maybe write down whatever goals they want to reach this year and then sometimes they might have like 10, 15 goals, which is quite a lot. So I'm saying to them, pick your top three and a lot of them Maybe be able to pick one or two, but then they struggle to get through. Mm. Now, or rank, or what I might do is, if say there's five, I'll say right, rank it from one to five. What is one being the most important? Um, and I think a lot of people really struggle with that. Um, and I know it's something that I do as well myself. Like I'll set myself maybe like five or six jobs to do in the morning for the day, and I'll always do the easiest ones first, as natural. But mm. I'm trying to you know eat the frog and do the hardest one first. Do this hard, yeah, yeah, and. You know, and that's something I struggle with. Um, And it's funny that you mentioned a lot about social norms. And I see it a lot of time with clients where they'll be like, their goal might correlate to what other people think of them or what Mm -hmm. how they are portrayed in society as opposed to what they actually enjoy. And I think my biggest advice to anyone who partakes in fitness or in my industry is i i always say to him, just do something you enjoy like when the coach is mm-hmm. like oh i should i do, do be a body transformation coach i should i do this should i be an snc coach or a powerlifting coach i'm like well what are you passionate about what do you enjoy yeah what gets you going like and i think it's the same when you're training and um, it's the same with your diet do whatever you enjoy you know align it with your goals but make sure you enjoy it as well and i suppose it's the same with like the nervous system as well like You've got to be able to bring that anxiety and arousal down when you need to and bring Mm -hmm. it up when you need to, be in that fight mode, ideally when you need to. But also, I suppose you've got to train that fight mode to be in that fight mode at certain times to make it better for when you need it, when you get into it. It's part of our animal instinct to make sure that our fight mode is accessible and we can go into it. We don't want to be going straight from, say, like, well, no fight mode, straight into freeze, do we, or
1: straight into flight. The thing is, it'll show up whether you want it to or not so we we're, we're animals at the end of the day whilst we've got this highly developed brain where we can rationalize we yeah. think we can control our body and we just don't yeah like it's going to win so it has needs like you say we've got to be able to have the fight mode yeah so you can either choose that you can either go and do whatever you need to do in the gym and like really use that fight mode and get in there and act like an animal yeah. Or you can go home, and whilst you're just chilling watching the TV, you can snap at your wife. Either yeah. way, it's coming out.
0: Yeah, it's, it's exactly like what it says. It's an autonomic. It's auto. It's unconscious. Exactly. You know, you can't control it. And all, you, you may be able to train it to a degree, but unless you spend a lot of time kind of like digging deep into yourself, then you're not going to be able to get anywhere near the surface. So I think it's like really important. I, I know something I did for this was uh, what I decided to go traveling on my own, and it was just lit simply because I read in a book about like, you only know who you are is if you spend time on your own. And I just went oh. traveling on my own for six months and it was the best thing I ever did in my life, ever. And like It made me just so clear on my goals and what I wanted to do. It was just amazing. And I think like a lot of people they maybe go for a walk at night and it's that alone time that's important to them you know they can be really clear because it's their own thoughts their own feelings and it's the same as if like you go to the gym for an hour you know it's that that time on your own to do something you want to do and you're just enjoying it and also it just helps you clear your head and I think that's where exercise and mental health can come together they can really like link link together to uh obviously for a better outcome for both of them for your mental health and physical well-being I think like Nat won't mind me mentioning it, but last night she came in. She was absolutely beaten up. Like she had a really tough week at work, uh, tough week at home. I think she was struggling a little bit with lockdown as well. Like she's got three kids at home. Like what does she do with them? Um, And I think she came in and she said, "I'm not going to be as good today." Straight away, and then she started and she really enjoyed the session. She did really, really well. Like I think it's just amazing that obviously we can do something like that. Mm -hmm.
1: The thing is, the the answer as well is is different for anxiety than it is for depression because if if you think about that that level of arousal that base level of arousal some people are really low can't get out of bed in the morning Mm. and some people are really high like i'm i'm really high but then when i've explained uh, my childhood it explains why i'm so high so when i wake up in the morning i need to go
0: yeah
1: and then any sort of arousal will bring me back down to a level. So I'm more prone to anxiety than I am depression. So I start here in the day. I have to do, 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 do to bring me down to here. And then, whereas if I if I neglect that and I don't learn and I don't move and I don't really go and attack something, by one, two o'clock, I'm snapping at everyone and you know just become that grumpy guy that no one wants to be around.
0: I think I'm perfect
1: so, to you, pal. Yeah, and <laughs> so it, it, it resonates with a lot of people yeah. when when you say things like that. Um, but the other side is the people who are sort of more prone to depression tend to be lower on that base level of arousal, so they struggle to get out of bed in the morning. They struggle to do that next thing, the first thing they know that need to do to kick kickstart the day. So it's it's very different ways to treat people if you were treating people I don't I don't particularly like that because all you're doing is helping somebody understand themselves it's not yeah. necessarily a problem to be either of those things it's not a problem to be depressed it's not a problem to be anxious if you think about anxiety uh, like I said arousal um, if you've got high levels all it is is a drive to go do something yeah to to really go and engage in something your body is telling you go do something. So are you going to do it? And that's when people go, I don't really want to do anything. I'm just going to scroll on social media for an hour and then get pissed at someone who's put a a comment on some random group and then you end up in a Facebook argument. There you go. Your body got its sympathetic reaction anyway. So why not just put it towards something?
0: I know you mean like you've got to put it towards something productive. I think all the best moments of my life have been massive, massive amounts of anxiety. So when I think about it now, Mm when I went into competition for powerlifting, like massive anxiety before it, even just doing the program, the first day of the block, even your first day at school, how anxious are you, but you really enjoy it and you know you're going to love it. And whether it be going to... Uh, do your exams or something like that or whether you go when I went traveling for six months all these things that are kind of challenging when I went and did like a skydive like it was really anxious but it's so rewarding afterwards and I suppose it's because you're going through all those systems you're going through your parasympathetic you're going through your sympathetic system it's just so rewarding afterwards and I think Obviously, like when people say anxiety is bad, think about all the great things you've done, and then you go, "Oh well, actually, anxiety has actually come with all of them. Whether that be giving birth to your first child or your second child, etc. Deciding to have kids, you know, buying your first house, going to the gym for the first time, like all these things make you anxious. Like obviously, Nat was anxious yes, yesterday when we did a session, and I think she was anxious because she was worried about she weren't going to perform well, but she did perform well, and you know, she, it was very rewarding for us. So, like when people say anxiety is bad. I think you just got to look at it in a completely different light. And I think it's up yeah. to us and us as an industry as well to kind of get that stigma away from anxiety and just, you know, people can understand that arousal is important. I know like when I failed at competitions before, I'm anxious to go again, but I know I want to do it. It's something that I'm choosing to do uh, because yeah. you want them levels of arousal again.
1: Yeah. As soon as you choose to engage with anxiety and take it somewhere, it will be telling you the answer as well. Yeah. All you've got to do is just, not numb it, so you you've got that high level of anxiety in the morning. You're probably a a higher arousal person. Yeah. You don't need coffee to numb it. You've already got the drive that you were looking for. It's just you were trying to ignore what your body's telling you to go do. You already everybody already knows what that next thing is. Yeah, they already know what they need to do first in the day. So, are you going to do it or are you going to drink coffee and numb numb it for a few hours? And that's generally how people. Go about it, so you can choose to engage with it.
0: Yeah, and I think if you're going to give three tips to take away from today's podcast, Chris, um what would they be?
1: Um, specifically. Yeah, I'll go specifics then. Really specific. If you're really specific, if you're somebody who's, I'll keep it mental health as well. Yeah. If you're somebody who's socially anxious. So you get scared about perception of others going into social situations. You're probably very, very high anxiety. Hmm. If you want to train all the time, that's going to boost that up. So they're the type of people who can crash and not be able to come to the gym for a week because they've crashed. Yeah. So the best way for them to manage would be a daily walk by themselves in nature. It's going to bring all of that right down. If you want to and you really want to go at it, Disney Princess's music is at the perfect sound hertz to activate your, your vagus nerve, which is the parasympathetic side. Wow, that's So cool. uh, 40 minutes, an hour's walk, by yourself, out in nature, looking around, no stimulation whatsoever, just you and your thoughts, it will bring you right down. So that's number one. If people are getting towards depression, obviously talk. Talk to people about it because it does help. But set yourself goals that you can do. So if day one is getting out of bed in the morning, you'll get the chemical rush for ticking that box. So if tomorrow is getting out of bed, get out of bed, tick the box, and compound like that. So if it's two days, then two days get out of bed. Day three, get out of bed, go downstairs, tick the box. And it just compounds. It's one step every single day. will just keep you moving. And then number three is obviously try and listen to yourself because you already know.
0: That's awesome, Chris. I mean, there's a lot of takeaway from that. And I think that's amazing. Like for me, the things that I've just learned just through this podcast, like I want to be more self-aware. Um, I want to develop my routine a little bit more. To incorporate uh, my nervous system around my work life, training life, home life, um, so those two things that I really, really want to think about more. And I suppose the last one is just really, really always remind myself what I enjoy. Why am I doing something? You know, maybe go away from today and write my five pillars. And guys, if you, you know, if you if you do write your five pillars or three pillars or whatever it is, like. Send us a message. Drop us a message. Like, tell us what your five pillars are. You know, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. If anyone does need any help, we're here to talk. Uh, where can they find you on social media, Chris? Uh,
1: just Coach Gators. I don't. Am I underscore? I don't know.
0: Yeah, not- Coach underscore Gators. Guys, he's, he's got a lot of fantastic content. You'll see a lot of chocolate milk. You'll hear a, riddle, a little, a little bit of Spanish reggae, um, and you'll see some crazy training. Um, and when I say crazy, this guy tells me not to drink coffee sometimes he tells me to drink it just before I train so I've been trying to do that um, and it works really well and he's also coached me for the last few months on some specific areas and they've worked amazing Um I'm loving my training to the point where the sandbags are my favorite part at the moment and um, we've I've
1: converted you
0: <laughs> I wouldn't go that far Chris I'm still <laughs> loving the powerlifting as well but uh, no thank you very much for joining us today Chris and uh, we'll definitely do uh, some more podcasts with you because you are a fountain of knowledge. Maybe get your little lad on as well because he's more intelligent than some coaches I know. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, bud.